0: Welcome to the Hockey PDOcast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and sitting across from me in a swanky Toronto based hotel room is uh, is my good buddy Arthur Stable. Arthur, what's going on, man?
1: It's it's good to be here, which is a surprise since I thought we'd be somewhere else taping this uh, in a couple weeks' time, but I am excited to be here nonetheless. Yeah, well, I mean, we were going to,
0: the Islanders are playing in Vancouver, as you're alluding to, in two weeks, I believe, and we were initially planning to record then, but we couldn't wait. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Honestly with this Islanders team there's so much to talk about and I feel like on, in 2 weeks you we might have to have another conversation <laughs> based on how how it goes here but um it's good to have you back on the show I know I know we had a I think like we had a good chat last year when we did this around this time of year I got really good feedback I feel like Islanders fans just really want someone to like vocalize their visceral um emotions that they feel with this team and so you when you and I kind of talk freely about it I feel like they're uh,
1: they're pretty excited about that they are. I think you're uh, you're kind of an honorary member of i Isles Twitter now with the way that you uh, you jump in and out, so so I think that gives you some some uh, legitimacy with them as well. I
0: yeah, I guess I'm technically a quote unquote national writer. I have to focus <laughs> on the entire league. Um, obviously my boss is like it if i prioritize the canadian teams since that moves the needle mostly around here but uh i feel like i spent an ordinary amount of time watching this honors team this year it's uh it's it's hard to look away sometimes with it, when they're playing well it's amazing and they're one of the finest teams to watch and then when they're playing poorly it's also equally amazing just in the opposite direction
1: yeah i mean i've talked to a bunch of players uh on other teams who used to play here uh some for a story that I did on on John Tavares last week and just some in general and they all say like wow it must be fun and I'm like I can detect the note in their voice that also the unspoken part being I'm glad I'm not there anymore to experience that kind of fun because um it's the sort of fun that you know the guys that are the high-end guys love it obviously you know you you see a guy like Matthew Barzal and I think um any fan, NHL fan, hockey fan, Islander fan, must be has to be enthused by seeing him play the way that he plays. He's not being forced to put be put in a box and play a certain way. And you know, he's obviously there's a lot of coach cliches about being a rookie and responsibilities. But Doug Waite lets him go and do what he does, and that's that part is exciting. But I think you also have a lot of risk at the other end, and really, um, it's it's astonishing to see some of the defensive breakdowns that they have. And I'm no hockey structure expert right
0: yeah well that's the thing um and we'll talk about this in great detail in just a second about the trade deadline and uh whether they're going to do anything and whether they should do something but it's really tough because i don't think it's necessarily as simple as you know bringing in one defenseman or one goalie obviously anything would help at this point i feel like just warm bodies but uh there's like a deeper rooted issue and i feel like you know you're kind of missing the forest for the trees if you think that just one guy's suddenly going to fix all of these problems
1: yeah, I, I agree. You know, when they, they got off to the 15-7-2 start through the end of November, it was it was in spite of some bad breakdowns and in spite of some worse goaltending. You know, mm-hmm. Thomas Grice, his, his last big shutout notwithstanding has been really bad all year and it's kind of come out of nowhere for them and, and I think there's been a lot of Frustration and head scratching from the front office on down about a guy who, you know, they sent Yara Halak to the minors, put him on waivers and sent him to the minors in January, and almost immediately gave Thomas Grice a three year extension last year. And now that could be the worst contract in the NHL right now because you're just completely hamstrung yourself with goaltending. So, beginning of the year, they're winning because Barzell's being Barzell, Tavares is being Tavares, Josh Bailey is now Josh Bailey. Yes. Which is, I'm sure we'll get to as well, but. Um, <laughs> Their top six arguably was the best top six in the league for the first two months of the year, just yep. the way that they were producing, and they were able to outscore their problems. And then get into December and obviously, you know, the slog of the year, the scoring is obviously going to tail off. They were, I think, they were shooting like eleven or eleven and a half percent, which is kind of insane, right? Um, so you knew something was going to was going to give, and then the inevitable injuries: Calvin DeHaan, Johnny Boychuk, Nikolai Kuleman, who has been a fan. Target for many yeah. years because of his contract. All of a sudden, people were saying like, "Our defense stinks now because Nikolai <laughs> Kulimun is gone," um, and they started to get better goaltending. And it's you know it, it's hard to tell because of the the shots and the breakdowns. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a team wide issue. And you know when you when you when I hear from the fans, when you see the reaction online to not claiming Cody Fronson or Eusebio Jokinen or uh, you know even today Yarabek gets moved or yep. Taylor Chorny you know you 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 have to th- step back I know the fans don't need to do this mm. and sh- nor should they most times but you have to take a step back if you're advocating for change and say is this a change that's going to make any sense and I think as much as Garth Snow is in the hot uh, rightly on the hot seat for the team that he's put out there I agree one small fix trading a fifth round pick for a, a number six defenseman is not going to make this problem go away
0: yeah no i mean with thomas grace it's i i, he's, I believe he's on ir now right or, or yeah, he's out he,
1: he managed to get his first shutout of the year a, and a, f- got a 50 hurt.
0: save shutout in a second of a back-to-back this was only 45 oh that's true that's true yeah sorry yeah yeah um yeah we can round that up. It's, it's, it's fine <laughs> um yeah no it's I think this team's on pace for 300 goals against or something this year. And I've been monitoring that closely just because, I mean, obviously it's a nice round number. And if they wind up with like 296 or something, (laughs) it doesn't make any difference, but it's just so rare in today's day and age to give up that much offense. And I, I, I don't I don't know what the fix is. So let, let's let's kind of use that as a as a launching point here for a trade deadline discussion. Um we're a few days away now, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon, so I think this is running on Thursday, so if anything happens between then um, <laughs> i think we're safe yeah. till tomorrow. Okay, good. Um so obviously fans really want something, anything at this point. Kind of just some sort of life raft or something to cling on to for hope. Um first off I didn't think do you think this team's going to do anything between now and Monday? And second of all, do
1: you think they should? Um, you know, I think should really depends on what the market is. And, and when you hear the kind of the, the sellers saying, well, yes, you can have Eric Carlson if you give us six different items and possibly take Bobby Ryan's contract. Or, you know, the Rangers say we're selling everybody and you can have Ryan McDonough or you can have Matt Zuccarello if you give us a first-round pick and a prospect and a roster player and possibly something else. So I think once the market tells these teams, no, you're not getting everything you want, even for an Eric Carlson or a Ryan McDonough, then maybe there's, uh, you know, not a discount, but something that sounds reasonable that you can do by 3 o'clock on Monday. Um, Do I think that's going to happen? No, not with the kind of guys that the Islanders are looking for. When I talked to Garth Snow a couple weeks ago for my kind of first story with the athletic Mm -hmm. um he said, "We're not. We're looking for hockey deals. We're not going to give up our assets for rentals. And really, their assets. That's another thing that hamstrings them in, in going all in in this market. Is their their assets really are the, their draft picks that, that they have coming up in June? They've got their own first and second. They've got Calgary's first and second from the Travis Hamonic deal, which I still think was the right move to yep, make, especially with how he's played this year. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who is was a like well liked mm-hmm. guy in all. In, you know, in Calgary." Uh, on Long Island certainly a salt of the earth guy to have on your roster but uh, I don't think he would be solving their defensive woes right now as much experience as he has Um, so they've got their Calgary's first which could be a lottery pick the way things are going right now Mm -hmm. they're kind of bobbing along the same way the Islanders are on the cut line so you've got potentially two lottery picks to work with excuse me is is that certain right now probably not I would imagine that if you're garth snow and you're talking to teams about guys with term left that can help you whether it's a a top nine forward or more more pressing for them a top four defenseman right um i think teams are asking for their pick because it looks a little bit more certain to be a lottery pick and i don't know that garth snow can gamble on that right now like you're you're going out to get a guy who's going to help you make the playoffs and you give up your own pick and if that's you end up missing and you've just given away the the ping pong ball for Erasmus dahlin who could help your defense for a long time right um I don't know that that's a gamble he's willing to take, especially with the uncertainty around John Tavares and, and the core parts of their roster. So long way of saying, no, I don't think any ma- anything major will happen. They've made a bunch of minor moves at the deadline over the last few years. I could see them filling in. You know, Tanner Fritz has had a couple of nice games and got his first NHL goal the other night, but that kind of third-line right wing is a hmm. spot that's been a big hole for them since they had Jason Chimera there. He's out of the lineup now. Tanner Fritz is Tanner Fritz, who's a 26-year-old AHL player. Do you so, think Ross Johnston should be looking at her shoulder? <laughs> I think Ross Johnston is having the run of his life. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fact that Matt Martin, who's arguably the most popular Islander of the last decade, beyond Tavares, beyond Hamannick, yeah. is basically available for nothing right now, and they could reunite that Don Cherry-named best fourth line in hockey. Yeah, uh, but But now fans are actually saying, like, well, we've got Ross Johnston and and that's amazing to me but Ro- but Ross Johnson has contributed exactly what he needs to be contributing and and the hard part of the last five or six games is that those bottom two lines are are doing more than they've done all season in terms of driving play and at least not being caved in possession-wise and it's the top two lines that are producing intermittently but also getting run over possession-wise yeah. and that you know, if you're Garth Snow and Doug Wade, I think you just stare at each other across the desk and say, Now what do we do? Yeah. Because you're not you know you're not filling in with guys that you need to put in the top six. You already have a pretty set top six.
0: I know that you're probably pretty tired of talking about this at this point, and I'm sure Islanders fans are tired of listening uh to people talk about it at this point, but You know, you mentioned John Tavares there and and how um, that sort of uncertainty that's looming in the air um, could influence their decision making here. And I guess you could look at it both ways, right? Like maybe you don't want to commit too much to this current team because all of a sudden, if he's not in the picture anymore, you know, you you might want to start from scratch or go in a different direction. At the same time, um, you know, you really want to do everything you can to convince him that you're building something here that he can actually spend the rest of his prime years competing with. And that's what i keep coming back to and i'm not necessarily sure that you know a random third liner or third pairing defense when they pick they pick up is gonna you know be the be all end all or or the deciding factor for him but i feel like this team is talented enough to get into the playoffs and you know at that point they can certainly score enough to let anything happen and I think they're doing themselves a disservice by just kind of sitting back here and being patient, and 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 that's coming from someone who generally uh, preaches patience with this sort of stuff. I know fans always want something to happen for them to talk about and for people to write about, but I think I don't know. Every day that passes here, I'm I just
1: I'm, I'm scratching my head wondering what's going on with this roster. Yeah, and I think as it pertains to Varys, the temptation is to say, you know, this is this is the situation they're in, and obviously every day that passes without adding somebody or getting on a roll means there's he's one day closer to the door and i'm not so sure that there's a direct correlation between those two things he's the guy who has said all along he's gonna think about everything and consider everything you know i had heard before the season started the arena situation was very high on his list of concerns they've they've got an arena it may not be for the life of his contract if he stays in fact it'll probably be about halfway through when they finally get into this new building but i think it's more about the credibility of the team that he's playing for they've got a home even if in the next three years they're going to be having two homes that are both sort of temporary and not really great for hosting hockey games um you know i think he is a big picture guy and he's a very you know he's focused on the minutiae when he's playing and the details and and his attention to that stuff is is second to none but i think he's also a guy who has understands his place not only in the game but with this organization and where it's headed so um you know, I think the arena getting settled uh, with the with their new building coming in Belmont Park in a few years uh, is important to him. And now, I think the focus turns to can he win with this team, this franchise, and he's certainly close enough to Garth Snow to. Have had any manner of conversations. He's close with Doug Waite. I'm sure that uh, you know John Tavares doesn't initiate a lot of that stuff, but I'm sure it's talked about. Right. His agents, uh, his agent Pat Brisson, has had lots of meetings with Scott Malkin, uh, the owner, the primary the principal owner of the Islanders uh, over the last year. That they've kept Pat Brisson and by extension John Tavares up to date on everything that they're doing and that they want to do. Um, so I think that kind of consideration, you know, I I just feel like he's going to weigh so many things and really one of the things that he must be weighing is he would probably love a quick fix and and to trade a first round pick and and a prospect and uh, you know a couple of other assets for somebody great but that hamstrings them in the future when he's going to sign for whatever it's right 11 and a half 12 12 and a half million dollars a year so i think he understands the situation they're in right now i think knowing what i know of him he takes it personally that they're not better than they are Mm -hmm. um so i think when the season ends is really the time he's gonna consider all that stuff and you know if if he you know he's not gonna have made a decision in all likelihood by the time the draft rolls around and that's really the time when the big moves get made so i think even if it's not done by monday garth snow has a chance to Still, put a roster together or make a change that's big enough before John Tavares makes his decision that make him, may make him say, "Oh yeah, this team is committed to winning." And uh, I look around and I see pieces that are appealing enough to me to want to stay.
0: Yeah, well, and I'd say that you know Matt Barzal's emergence this season um, can't be uh, can't be overstated because for now, for the first time, it feels like. You know there's actually sort of a one b to Tavares as one a or, or however you want to put it and now they have these two scoring lines and you know it's conceivable that as good as barcelo has been right now he's only going to continue to get better over the next couple of years and i feel like that is a huge thing that you know if, if if he developed as a regular prospect or maybe didn't uh go through this this sudden emergence that he has this year all but i think we'd be having a different discussion entirely here right now
1: yeah i i totally agree you know and that um I, that's a huge consideration too. He's gonna, you know, John Tavares is gonna get to as close to July one or into a few minutes into July one as is gonna, you know, as he's gonna get, and it's gonna make every Islander fan as uncomfortable as they could possibly be if they can get more uncomfortable than they've been the last few years. Uh, but I can't imagine that there's any scenario where he doesn't at least hear from some pitches from other teams, and once he hears the pitches and understands who has made space for him or who can offer him. Um, something that's comparable to what the Islanders can give him. I assume the second thing that you think of is, is there a guy like Matthew Barzell who's going to take the heat off me? Right. And there's not that many teams that have it. There's the one here in Toronto, but whether they can make it work is, is Mm -hmm. going to be some serious tap dancing going into July one. Um, you think about teams that could offer him 11 million a year. I mean, he could go to Tampa, I guess, and take a discount, but that doesn't (laughs) seem like his style. Yeah. Um, So really, when you look around the league, I don't think, you know, Matthew Barzell is going to win the Calder Trophy, barring any crazy things that happened in the last 20 games, Mm -hmm. and he is a singular talent. He's the kind of guy that hasn't come around in the NHL in a while, and certainly not in the Islanders in a while, and and even before Tavares, because they're not really the same style of player. So um, I think the idea of playing a few more years with him, taking a lot of the heat off him at even strength, and playing with him on a 22 percent power play that the islanders have always seemed like they should have but haven't until this year um that's got to hold a lot of appeal to him and i think uh, if he decides to stay that's going to be a big factor in, in why he does yeah
0: i mean there, there isn't anything really new to say about uh bars he's having at this point we all sort of know all, everything that's happening and the five-point games and the calder trophy and everything but Just watching these games, I mean, I haven't been in the building to see him live yet, but, you know, just watching on my laptop, it translates where, especially at these home games when he's kind of dancing around in the offensive zone with a puck on a string, everyone is, it's like, it's a weird mix of, there's this buzz where people are waiting for something to happen, but everyone's also kind of holding their breath because (laughs) you never, you never know what's going to happen. And it's, that's, that's the thing that I look for with, uh, with young skilled players when they're finally making it at the stage is, Sort of that patience, right? Because in 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 the NHL, uh, far too often we see sort of it preached to get the puck in deep and get it off your stick and you know keep making another play so you don't make a mistake. And then you have these transcendent guys that come along every once in a while and they're comfortable and creative enough to. Keep the puck for like forty seconds at a time, skating around. And at three on three overtime, we see him leave the zone and come back in. And it's I don't know, just I, I imagine for you, it's made your job a lot of funner watching <laughs> a guy like that on a day to day basis.
1: And he has a ton of personality too. He's a, he's a guy who, you know, the, they lost a game against Nashville where he had about roughly half a dozen chances. Either they were up four two in the in the late in the second period, and he had a bunch of chances then, or created a bunch of chances. They were in overtime, and he had a million chances. Peckarine denied, and Nashville ended up winning. I think he came, you know, I wasn't there. He came off the ice and smashed his stick and was, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs. And there's probably, like, kids that are, you know, charity kids that are hanging out by the walkway (laughs) thinking, like, who is this lunatic? Yeah. Um, But I think that's all, you know, as long as he's not hurting anybody, that's all good stuff. Yep. He's a a guy who, uh, you know, reminds me a lot of Guys that I covered in the NFL and my time covering there, where you, you know, I, I covered a guy named Antonio Pierce who won a Super Bowl with the Giants and he went undrafted his draft year and kept a legal, uh, like a legal notepad of linebackers that were taken in that draft. And when one of them would get cut or retire, he'd just cross them off the list. Right. And I'm like, that's that. Some people need that kind of drive. Yeah. And Matthew Barzell has that same mentality of, I need to be the best. I think it started. You know, he's Connor McDavid's draft year. You're never going to be considered the best of that draft class ever. And he doesn't care. He wants to be considered up there. You know, he he's kind of had moments of geeking out playing against Sidney Crosby, who he's definitely, and Patrick Kane, two guys that you can see yeah. elements of his game in. Um, and he just wants to outdo them all. And uh, it's, you know, I think it's led to a few, you know, you know, let's pump the brakes here kid <laughs> moments from some of the veterans in the locker room and i think they they have fun with it because they know that there's there's no need to rein him in because they're not even the mediocre spot that they're in right now without the way that he's played this year
0: yeah i forget where it was i think it was elliot friedman's 31 thoughts but he had an anecdote in there about how uh i guess at the combine yeah um a team asked and why should we draft you and he said because you, you'll, you'll you'll regret it if you don't or something like that and um you know and i feel like in hockey and the nhl um sometimes people look at that as as having that that much um sort of passion and or confidence in yourself as you know you're putting yourself ahead of the team and it's all it's like frowned upon but i i personally love when we see guys with that type of personality and that type of self-belief and i'm all for it i wish more guys were like that
1: yeah i think uh and, and getting back to some of his on-ice stuff, I mm-hmm. think you know you expect to see a guy like that get turned over a couple of times or get crunched along a wall and then a two-on-one or a three-on-one the one the other way. And it really hasn't happened as much as you would think. You'd think with all the goals the Islanders have given up that he'd be a culprit yes. in the defensive zone. And he has a bit of a liability. He, he clearly forgets where to be or he's not terribly concerned with sinking down low and wrestling with the opposing center in front of his own net but when he loses the puck he goes to get it back and he usually does mm. and and i think that's an element of his game that's that's pretty underrated for a guy who looks kind of flimsy for you know a 20 year old kid he's not as physically developed as some other guys he just you know he circles back into his own end it it looks like you know like a red army training video at times he'll go behind his net he'll kind of take the puck off or whatever defenseman is just like kind of like all right go do whatever you're going to do and he'll go the length of the ice and kind of survey everything and get guys chasing after him. It's uh, it's it's been pretty remarkable to see and and uh, and really it wasn't even from day one. The first four or five games he didn't have a point and he was really tentative. And then I think he scored kind of scored a highlight real goal for his first NHL goal on Henrik Lundqvist in the Garden in October, and that opened the floodgates. And I think I think Doug Waite, uh really kind of gave him the green light and, and encouraged him to be more aggressive and more creative and uh and that's probably where having a coach with a with a pedigree like that definitely helps yeah i'd, I'd say that
0: i don't know how over the past however long month or two or, or, or have you especially a 515 um that second line has has really been playing like like their first line um I love I love Islanders fans calling it the Shirelli line. By the way, uh, that always that always cracks me up. Um, what do you thought of uh, what have you thought about Jordan Eberle's game this year?
1: You know, I as advertised. Mm-hmm. I think when when they sign guys or trade for guys, you know, you always get asked by fans like, "What do you th-, you know What do you project for this guy?" And I'm sure I said 25 goals for Andrew Ladd or 30 goals for Andrew Ladd, which ended up last year being close to right. the truth, shockingly mm-hmm. enough. Um, or whoever comes in, you you know, guess points for guys. Um, but when Jordan Eberle comes in you say like, this guy's kind of been a metronome his whole career, except for last year. Yep. And, uh, and as you astutely pointed out, his shooting percentage was way down <laughs> last year and he was kind of playing a different role with a more beefed up top nine that they had in Edmonton and, right. and it showed. And, uh, you know, he, here's a guy, obviously he's benefited from playing with Barzal and that's the Barzal's ascension also kind of happened right around the time that Josh Bailey and, and Eberle swapped right wing spots on those top two lines um but yeah you know to be on pace for you know 27 28 goals and and 55 60 points it just you sort of feel like this is not a great team and he was on some far worse teams in Edmonton and was able to produce that way and I know that there's always the the dead cat bounce when you're out of it you get guys that that pile up the stats but but he's very consistent and Doug Waite had a lot of has a lot of time for Jordan Eberle at five on five that he's a guy who is not just a guy who pops into position when uh when Barzal's doing his thing he's he's pretty responsible on his own end and he's a hard worker and yeah I think uh you know that trade is is uh is certainly <laughs> stands out as much as the as the trade to get the 16th picked for Barzal uh for a lot of Islander fans and certainly for their the way that they're playing right now
0: yeah I mean especially when you see the reports now that the Oilers are in the market for help on the wing and scoring (laughs) talent and it's like uh, well uh, you you had some good players there over the past couple years that uh, aren't there anymore but yeah it's you know you mentioned the student percentage and it's remarkable because I wish it always worked this neatly but it's he's really like if you look at anything um, his numbers this year are basically pacing at his career averages for everything prior to last year and it's just remarkable how that works and as smart as it's, teams are, are getting smarter i have to admit around the league but i think you could still build a pretty nice team if you just call every gm who had a player who kind of had an unfortunate <laughs> shooting percentage season and see if you can get them on a discount rate because it seems like that still happens in today's league
1: yeah yeah and, and obviously you know the fact that the snow shirelli the whatever sort of guru like hold Garth seems what to have. Do, do over... you think?
0: Do you think Garth's like texting him every day? Like, hey, Peter. Uh, uh, what's yeah, going I mean,
1: on? I, you know, I know that uh, they've had some scouts at some Edmonton games in the last couple of weeks, and I I kind of went over it in a, in a trade deadline piece the other day about you know what could they possibly you know it's like robbing the same bank for the fourth time. Like, what else can you can you turn You know, can you grab and shake <laughs> out of them? And obviously, you know, if the Oilers are somehow interested in trading you know one of their three good young defensemen i'm sure the islanders would be happy to listen on oscar clefbaum or even adam larson probably dornell nurse and clefbaum more than larson but um yeah i can't uh i would imagine that if you're somehow someone who works in the oilers front office and you see <laughs> you're screening the calls you, you see Gar snow's name come up on that you're just like nope sorry we're we're just gonna hang up on that one
0: um all right all right let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor and we'll uh, we'll pick this up on other things Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy, and that's with SeatGeek. Here's the thing about SeatGeek. It's designed to save you time, effort, and money. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift for someone in your life, SeatGeek going to help you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek going to help you get closer to action for a great value. And I can say all this with confidence because I, myself, am a regular user of the Geeks product. Um, Some of you may know I'm in Toronto right now for the trade deadline, and I've actually already used it myself a couple times just this week. Um, I went on and had myself some tickets to the Raptors game against the Bucks because I really wanted to get to watch Giannis Antetokounmpo in person and and see what what, uh, all the fuss is about. And I got some tickets to the Leafs game against the Islanders because... As I'm talking about on the show with Arthur, um, the Islanders are kind of can't miss uh, viewing these days, and I'm sure I'm going to be treated to at least a couple goals. And honestly, these days, I'm so swamped with work and obsessively checking my Twitter timeline to make sure that I haven't missed anything and something hasn't happened, and I was able to go through this entire process so quickly and easily that I didn't even have to miss a beat. Since sharing is caring, and I care so very deeply, obviously, about all of you, my loyal listeners, I'm going to let you know a little secret. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek if you just go on and let them know that I've sent you. To claim that deal, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code PDO today. That's promo code PDO for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, let's get back to Arthur Staple. Okay, um, we haven't really talked about Josh Bailey and Anders Lee yet, and obviously, you know, they get lost in the shuffle a little bit attention-wise. Um, just because, obviously, Tavares and Barzal and even Eberle are taking up a lot of the storylines. But, you know, both guys have been incredibly productive over the past two years playing with John Tavares on that top line. And I wonder, you know, they're both coming up, I believe, is Bailey a free agent this year and Lee the following year? Yes. Yeah, and they're both making peanuts right now based on how they're producing. Um, But now the question is, you know, how much of that is the situation they're playing in and who they're playing with and how much of that is actually their own true talent. And the reason why you ask that question is because obviously if it's a lot of just who they're playing with and how and where they're playing, you know, you don't really want to devote heavy resources into that. You can probably fill that elsewhere, maybe internally or maybe bring someone else in. So I wonder with those guys, um, like do you think that those are the type of players that the Islanders will commit in because we've seen in the past few years that and it's actually worked out for the most part whether it's been with Franz nielsen or galak Pozo or matt martin where guys who were useful contributors for them um they had to make the difficult decision not to be the ones that pay them in free agency um and now those are looking like smart decisions that i wonder it seems like with those two guys they're more likely to be islanders for a long time with them
1: you would think you never really know i mean i i think a lot Certainly, a lot for Josh Bailey because he's UFA this year hinges on what what they do with Tavares and and you know I think Josh Bailey with John Tavares is certainly a, a 60, 70 point guy and a six six and a half million dollar a year player. Um, Josh Bailey without John Tavares, which is who he was for the majority of his Islanders career because they rarely played together over the you know the previous seven years that Bailey was here, um, is is a very good middle six guy um who can kill penalties when you need him to and obviously now can show that he can be on the top power play unit and be not just a guy who's out there but contribute so what is that worth without John Tavares um I think that's a big question for Garth Snow to answer and one he probably doesn't want to answer because that means that John Tavares is gone (laughs) but even if John Tavares stays and 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 Josh Bailey says okay well John Tavares got 12 million a year uh I'm worth 8 million a year Mm. Um, I think you still have to negotiate and you're coming down to the wire with Tavares, so there's going to be a lot of balls in the air, I would imagine, with that. Um, I think Anders Lee holds a little bit more appeal for them because he doesn't really seem to care who he plays with. He he plays the same style and whether that's a style that's you know, those guys who park themselves in front of the net, who are bigger, who are not the greatest skaters, obviously wear down a little bit faster. Um, So whether you want to commit major years to a guy who's not as young as you know he's young in the NHL but he's older right, he than John, a lot of college time. yeah he's yeah. older than John Tavares by a couple of months mm-hmm. so um you know I I think they have a lot of time for Anders Lee and they have a lot of time for Josh Bailey but I imagine that uh with Bailey coming due this year which is really their big year when they a lot of money comes off the books and a lot of decisions have to be made I think uh I think it's a little bit more fraught with Bailey than it is with Lee. I think, uh, you know, and they've tried Andrews Lee with Barzal too, and I think they maybe see that that's if, if there's that kind of possibility that uh, that Lee may have a, a longer shelf life with this team than Bailey, depending on what happens this summer.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like Lee's game a lot. I mean, you're right, um, you know, the aging curve for those type, that guy's a profile, uh, like Andrews Lee isn't the greatest. I feel like even though, you know, he does spend a lot of time around the net and... He's big in stature. I feel like he doesn't necessarily play like that sort of super physical game uh, elsewhere around the ice. So maybe his body will hold up better as he as he gets, you know, approaches 30 and gets into his 30s. But I think for now, right now, I mean, for my money, it's him and Wayne Simmons as the two best sort of net front guys. I, I don't even know who else would. I'm sure there's someone right now and someone sitting at home and just yelling. Ah, uh, this guy on my this guy, on my favorite team is should be in that discussion, and i'm I'm just missing out on them, but uh, so I apologize for that, but those two guys, for my money are the two best net front guys right
1: now, yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think Lee brings a, a certain style to his game that's that's as consistent as can be, and he's been a scorer at every level, you know, whether he back playing for John cooper in the u s h l and at Notre dame, uh where he was you know supposed to go play football in college and and even when he was kind of squeezed out in a numbers game. You know, his first full year with the Islanders, he went to Bridgeport and scored 22 goals in 50. You know, mm. he just, that's just what he does. And, uh, and the consistency and the way that he's been able to, to develop a little bit more of his game around just being a, you know, a, like a power play specialist or a net front guy has, uh, has been good to watch. And, um, you know, I think he's a guy who fits well with Tavares too. So if you, maybe if you can't keep both of them or you lose Bailey, at least you've, you've got him and, and maybe the, his numbers, his you know his contract numbers go up because you've got some space still left over after this summer's over. So what uh, what are the next five days here? Or so
0: looking like for Arthur Staple, what do you, uh, you what do you what do you, you know, around this time of year, um, you know, you're, you're pretty dialed in with the team. You've got your sources. You got sort of checks and balances. Like what are you are you trying to stay on top of stuff or do you think? You're at this point in your career, if something's going to happen, uh, you're going to find out one way or another, and you don't have to necessarily be as proactive as maybe a guy who's was just
1: starting up in the industry. Um, well, uh, since Garth has kind of an unblemished record of making trades while I've been in, on airplanes the last <laughs> 18 months or so, including last year's trade deadline, uh, maybe it was two trade deadlines ago that I mistakenly scheduled a flight right for like the last three hours going to Dallas, I believe, and they, that was... Uh, Missed a couple of ones there, but, and I was also <laughs> flying to the draft, uh, when, and had my phone on the, with the wifi. And then when we went to go descend, send was right the minute they made the everly Strom trade. So. so it sounds like you're the wrong guy to talk about this with. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I like to keep up. I mean, I think, uh, I don't think you can ever kind of sit back and say, Oh, well, they'll definitely let me know. You know, you, you have to have to remind your sources and the people that you're in contact with that you're there and. Um, I think you'd be doing a disservice to to the people that read your stuff if you didn't do that. And, and I think just the conversations that you have, too. I mean, it's not you don't want to be a rumor mill guy and just say, like, well, they almost did this. Or, mm. But I that stuff fascinates me, that when you get past the trade deadline and and Garth in general doesn't love talking about this stuff and, and the stuff that he has told me over the years will stay in the vault, unfortunately, for all the fans out there. But you know the near misses and the things that you get close on or you know the the rabbit holes that gms go down this time of year that stuff fascinates me endlessly and uh and i just like talking about it because it it can inform other stuff that you do even past the trade deadline where you know that they've got their eye on so and so and it didn't come to fruition and it's not going to come out now but obviously they're going to get another crack at making some deals when you get close to the draft and uh and i think you you always have to keep on top of that stuff i mean if it makes you
0: feel better i was on uh on a plane without wi-fi uh for both the taylor hall for adam Larson trade and pk Subban for shea weber so <laughs> i remember landing and uh, i believe i was taking a few days uh just kind of to decompress and i was going to mexico with some friends and i'd look at my phone it's like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i i have some work to do right now
1: <laughs> yeah that's always a good feeling too when you just, you know you'd like to unwind and you know stre- take your shoes off and stretch a little bit and it's like nope Put the, put the laptop down, get in the hotel room, go right to work, especially when you started a vacation. I, I did that uh, when the Islanders were sold to their current owners. My wife and I had just arrived in Prague for about a 10-day trip, and uh, I opened my laptop out of whatever pathological need that I have to, to sign on when I get into a hotel room, and was greeted with a, an email that said, call me immediately from a friend with the Islanders. Mm. And and So I was able to break the story, which was a good feeling, but also uh, when you have your wife standing over your shoulder, tapping her feet and saying, we're on vacation, you better get moving. It's also good deadline pressure. Yes. Um,
0: so we're 35 minutes into the show here, and uh, we haven't even mentioned Jean-Francois Berube's name yet. And <laughs> I don't even really have anything to say about him at this point, but I feel like... Uh, for everyone that's listening, they've been just waiting with bated breath for for us to mention him. So I, I had to throw that name out.
1: there. I appreciate that. I mean, it's certainly we can we can talk about their goaltending, which is yeah. In let's as do much, that. In as much we talked a... about
0: uh, Thomas Grice a bit. We, we haven't really talked about Yaro Halak, who you know has had a very interesting career. Um, I'll say with with all the ups and downs, and even just his Islanders career alone. Um, and this year, you know, he, his he's been playing a lot better lately and, and especially his 515 numbers are, are very respectable and it's yeah with the Grice contract and everything that's unfolded in that position for them over the past year and a half or so um, it's I feel like you could if you just focused on their goaltending uh, you could be a, like a, an Islanders goalie beat writer and not focus on anything else and, and have a
1: really busy day-to-day job yeah for about the last 30 years <laughs> I think Um yeah, it's been it's been uh it's been an interesting year in net for them that, that this was finally the year that Jeff Berube got was freed from the three goalie uh cage and got to go where he wanted to go. Well, it looks like he's gonna be playing for the Blackhawks now. I know. I mean it's unfortunate for him that it's in basically season long mop up duty, but hopefully that'll get him a job somewhere next mm. year. Um co hosting the PDO case. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh and now they're you know it was Halak and it was Grice and it was supposed to be these are the veteran guys that were gonna kind of carry them through this year and then they'd figure it out in their summer of huge decisions after this season, preferably with, you know, one of them emerging in a in a decent playoff run and and yeah, I mean I, the the shutout that Grice had the other night pulled his his goals against under four, but I kind of looked back and, and you know NHL.com is not great for a lot of things, but the fact that you can look up some of those seasons really quickly is great. That I think it was, I think it was ninety five, ninety six was the last time a goalie made twenty starts and had given up four per game. Hmm. Uh, I believe it was Mike Bales from the Ottawa Senators. But uh, <laughs> but but, and that's astonishing to me that it's that you you know the numbers we talked about the goals that they're giving up and yep. the goals that they're scoring uh, are are unprecedented, you know, since really right after the, the full year lockout. And yeah. those were bad teams that were given up those kinds of goals. Yeah. Um, but just even uh, you wouldn't think that you'd hang on to a goalie that long uh, who's, who's playing so poorly. And, and, and uh, you know, I think it shows it's a new goalie coach. They've got two new goalie coaches, Freddie Brathwaite at the NHL level and Chris Terreri kind of um, organization wide. Um, and they've got a couple of guys. One of them is here now, Christopher Gibson, who's a former Leafs draft pick who played a few games in the NHL for the Islanders a couple of years ago and is considered to be a decent prospect. They've got Latvian legend Krzysztof Gudlevskis also in the minors. But, uh, but this is still a position that has no real direction, especially now that Grice, you know, um, it certainly seemed like an overcommitment at the time, and I'm not going to try to armchair quarterback it, but it just sort of, you know, a 31 year old guy who's never been a starter to get guaranteed three more years at a decent number too—that a number that's too big for your for your automatic backup—and yeah. uh, so I think that explains a lot of why they're still tied to tied to Grice in the way that they are. Uh, and Halak being a, a free agent at the end of this year, I'm sure he's going to look around. And and the way that he's playing, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of the way that he played in the in the world cup that was kind of a an nhl career saving stretch for him because i'm sure the islanders would have been happy to dump him and whatever yep. salary was left or even eat it after the way that uh after the way that the previous season had ended um and after last year with uh you know spending three months in the minors and then coming back and nearly getting them back getting them to the playoffs in the last seven games of the year you still wouldn't have expected him to be the guy yep. and uh so I think he's played well enough, and I think his his attitude and his demeanor has changed enough that you could even see, if if nothing else shakes right for them, see him come back on a one year deal, and it would be I think the fans would would riot as they usually do if it was Halak and Grice again to start next season, um, but they're just not in a position. You know they they've got uh, a couple of prospects that they love from Europe, uh, Linus Soderstrom, who's actually been. In the states, on Long Island, the last six weeks after he had surgery and rehabbing with the team, and Ilya Sorokin, who's sitting on the bench, possibly going to win a gold medal for Russia and uh, or whatever they're calling themselves, and, and the Olympic athletes from Russia, right? And Sorokin had you know signed a three-year extension before this year uh, with uh, CSKA, so um, those aren't guys that are really close to contributing here, and it just seems like they're on that that goalie treadmill once again and they're going to have to whether it's halak or some other veteran that they trade for whether you know you think maybe jimmy howard becomes available in the offseason is he really an upgrade with one year left i would imagine that if vegas were the team that everybody thought it was going to be mark andre fleury might be might have been the most attractive guy to try to pry out of there but that's clearly not happening so um yeah it's going to have to be another offseason of of figuring out what direction they're going in with their goaltending and and that you know we talked about John Tavares maybe that's a factor too that he's thinking about like if we can't get this this very important position solved yep. do i want to be here to you know have to dig more pucks out of my net next season
0: yeah, the uh the, the Sorokin contract extension uh with his K H L team kinda of bummed me out because I'm I'm a huge fan of his and you obviously never know um you know how goalie numbers are gonna translate or how 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 he'd look in the NHL. It's a completely different game, but uh, you know, just everything you read up on him when you watch him play at some of these tournaments, uh the talent is clearly there and I would have loved to see him in the NHL. I'm always disappointed when, you know, I just want the best players in the world playing in the best league in the world and uh, you know, selfishly I want to watch him as often as possible and so we'll have to wait a few years for that but i'm kind of curious i mean maybe they were in on him as you were mentioning earlier with Gar snow and you know there's a lot of stuff a lot of discussions that happen between gms that nothing really comes to fruition so we never find out about it but when you see the price a guy like petter Mrazic went for to philly um especially who philly being a direct competitor with the islanders right now for a playoff spot out there and they desperately needed a goalie and i really paid peanuts for a guy who has been up and down but you know, has the upside shown at this level to get hot and win a bunch of games for you? I would have thought that'd be an interesting fit for the Islanders, um, but I guess they're just going to ride with Halak now. I mean, I believe that they're either done or they have very few back-to-backs left coming up here. So I think it's just going to be a lot of Yarrow Halak and see where it goes after
1: that. Yeah, I mean, I I had thought maybe about a month or so ago when they really started to to take a nosedive in terms of allowing shots and and good chances that that was the time to either make a trade put you know send put grice on waivers and obviously he wouldn't have been claimed and just send him to the minors and figure out the the minor league goalie log jam and just bring in a new a new face somebody who might might not feel as shell shocked by being (laughs) playing behind this team for so long yep um or even just to bring gibson up who had been playing pretty well not not lights out at the ahl but but well enough and a guy who's got some NHL experience and you know, he lost all of last season to a knee injury. So I understand the caution organizationally with him that they don't want to just throw him to the wolves, but um, just to, just to change something up to kind of remind the other guys on the team that like, you know, it's, we're going to make this move, but also you guys need to realize that you're playing in front of a guy who's been in the minors or somebody who's been a backup somewhere else and, and tighten it up a bit. Um, And then things really started to fall off a cliff. And I was kind of like, well, now I guess it's, you know, Halak is getting pelted and and he's standing up for himself and for the team. And maybe there's some benefit to that down the road. Um, But uh, but, yeah, it's it's uh, it's curious to me some of their inactions. I think Mrazek, you look at his numbers, even straight state percentage, he's right around where. Halak is and he plays behind a much better defensive team hmm. than the Islanders are. So, well, I mean, you and I could cobble <laughs>
0: together a, a handful of also, random people true, on the street and have a better team. I think <laughs> I, I think I
1: knew where I would know where to be in the defensive zone yes. more than the Islanders most of the time. But I, I, so I think it's just that at that point it's, do we even want to surrender what amounts to a third round pick for a guy that we're not going to necessarily keep, right. who's not necessarily going to make us better. Uh, and we, you know, yeah, I think I think the we like our guys syndrome is endemic to all all teams in all sports. And as much as it frustrates the fans who are not face to face with these human beings that they're right. rooting for, uh, you know, you, you understand the idea of chemistry and and togetherness on a team, especially this deep into a season. It it would be it would be a um, a move that's that's anathema to what Garth Snow preaches, which is definitely he puts a team together and he feels like they He wants guys that want to be together right. and he's not gonna change it up unless it's you know unless they're super desperate and I guess they just felt like a third round pick wasn't enough to to get to that point all right let's
0: um one final thing so since we last spoke um obviously you have a new job title, which is really exciting um i don't know let's let's talk a bit about sort of what's what's next for you and, and what people can expect from uh from the islanders' coverage at the athletic.
1: Um yeah it's been you know it's only been a couple of months really since they first made contact with me and it mm. was a quick it was a quick negotiation and a quick departure from newsday relatively speaking after 20 years there and so I you know I think it's still sort of sinking in that this is my new professional life and um you know I I can drive home after a game without having to bang out a story in 20 minutes that probably won't is Fairly incoherent and mm. relied a lot on newsday's copy desk. To so make you're not good. you're
0: not doing gamers anymore.
1: You know, I do I do stories that post the next morning that are you know that touch on a lot of things in right. the game. But I think it, it you know to have the time to listen to all of my all of the quotes that I've gotten and to to look at natural stat trick and kind of dig in a little bit and watch some clips of the game. Uh, it, you know, I've only done it maybe three times so far, and it's just given me a hugely different perspective on on what I put together. And and you know, I'm not someone who said I always felt like I needed you know my voice needed to be heard in more words. I you know there was a reason that newspaper stories are the length that they are, and yeah. it, it worked well for me for a long time. But to be able to have a thousand or 1100 words and and kind of you know finish a thought as opposed to jumping into well then this happened and then that happened. it, it is it is kind of a a mind expanding experience without making it sound too intense It just (laughs) i just think about what i'm watching in a different way and i can ask more targeted questions and and seek out guys that maybe didn't have a big night on the score sheet but to my mind we're, were kind of key factors and and focus on those kinds of things and it leads to other stories too where you're talking to someone about a play that they made or something that clearly looks structural but doesn't make any sense to me and and there's certainly some guys in this room as there are in a lot of rooms that can explain that stuff to you without making fun of you too badly mm-hmm. and and i appreciate that kind of stuff and then also having the time um as i did kind of in a in a 10 day span before the, the new york site launch to do a story like the one where i talked to a bunch of john Tavares's friends uh who are guys that people know in the game and and they were all great to talk to and and just kind of let them say what they were going to say and, mm. and um, you know I think I, I'm always a person certainly in, as, as a grumpy middle aged dad <laughs> who doesn't love to read and read and read stuff on the on my phone or on right. the internet but I feel like you write the story until it's done and I think people have responded pretty well to that so far and um, you know uh, Newsday's still going to cover the Islanders so I'm going to have some competition which I've never really had before and I think that's, that's a fun challenge too to, to kind of go back to the the days of making sure your your quotes aren't overheard by someone else and <laughs> and not running out of the locker room uh, before your time and uh, you know I, that kind of stuff I I did it a lot when I first started when I wasn't covering hockey and it yeah. was you know it's it's energizing yeah it's always a good 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 healthy friendly competition absolutely
0: um, yeah no this is awesome man I'm 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 really happy obviously I'm a huge fan of everything that's going on over the athletic and you were uh, a logical fit to be spearheading the uh, the Islanders coverage um, do you think Alanders fans are feeling better or worse after listening to this podcast.
1: <laughs> well, I hope they always feel better after listening to your podcast because they know, uh, well, they, know I just, they know you have a soft spot for them. Even it's if, true. It's true. Even if sometimes it comes out as as uh, a little bit of uh, subtle sarcasm, yep. and and it's really hard to resist because it's a very I'm a I'm a naturally sarcastic mm-hmm. unpleasant person online, right? And um, you know, very earnest. Fans who, whether they give terrible trade suggestions or, you know, fans are not expected to have cap friendly memorized or know that that there's only 50 contracts that are allowed, you know, on an NHL on NHL contracts. Uh, that's the ma- that that's the maximum, or all these ins yeah. and outs, and uh, you know, God love them that. They all want to know what's going on, and you can even see, uh, I think just as a result of our talk last year when you kind of dipped a toe into the Isles Twitter world, yep. what, what the response is and how passionate they all are, and it's it makes my job a lot more fun.
0: Yeah, I want them all to know I'm,
1: I'm coming from a loving place, even if I'm sometimes critical or I'm
0: uh, I'm fantasy booking different destinations for John Tavares to land this summer. It's all from a, a good place. No, you're right. I mean, we talked about this last time, so I don't want to get too deep into it, but obviously for someone like yourself who... Um, is more of a, you know, a, a beat reporter. You're just spending every day around the team and, you know, you're talking to the guys and the front office types and you sort of have to be much more careful, I imagine, online about uh, limiting the snark or, or, or criticism or, or being overly sarcastic because, you know, there's a human element to it and people sometimes take stuff personally, even if it's not meant that way. So you have to be more careful. As someone like myself, I mean, I feel like if you're following me online, you probably already know the deal and you know, uh, you know what's going to come. <laughs>
1: I would I would love to think that after all these years, but um, but yeah, it's you know I think we said it last year that uh, I could write ten thousand words breaking down somebody's awful game, and if I tweet one sentence about it, that's when they're that they're going to read that one sentence. Whether <laughs> someone in their family or a teammate or somebody tells them, they're probably not going to read the ten thousand words. So um, you know it's a, it can be a, a a dangerous place that's fraught with some some bad moments, but part of the job is showing up the next day and if somebody wants to yell at you you get yelled at and that's just the way it is I mean I've certainly um, had a lot of interactions with Doug Waite so far this year in post-game press conferences or asking uncomfortable questions that have gotten some some heated responses and uh, you know I try to make light of it because I know he's not necessarily singling me out it's because I'm pretty much the only one there who's asking those questions so it's it just becomes part of the landscape and I'm not looking for sympathy or 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 anything like that. But uh but it, you know, keeps you on your toes, I guess. Yes, it does. All right. Um
0: Arthur, it's been a blast. Thanks for taking the time to uh to chat and good luck with uh with the trade deadline here and uh the Islanders the rest of their season. I feel like we're uh, we're in for a flurry of uh, of goals for and goals against the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, it's it's always gonna be a wild ride whether they're in or out of the playoffs. So yeah, this has been great. Thanks a lot, Dmitry, right, as always.
0: The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitri Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash hockey pdo cast.